at your home. Your hands are lifted today to the Father. And I hope that your heart's posture in spite of what you're going through in spite of what's happening all around you, in spite of what you feel right now in your mortal being, in spite of the turbulence that's in your mind,
amazing God. Amazing God. Amazing God. I love the fact that they put these crowns around. I was was asked the question the other day, Pastor, why do you always have this this lapel pin, the crown? It's it's a reminder that I'm a a child of the king. And and you got to have some reminders in life. You got to remember who you are. Markers to remind yourself. Some of you maybe need to go home and take down some old photos because it reminds you of the old person you used to be. Some old relics, some old gifts from some old people that meant you no good in this season. And you're wondering why you still feel this anger and this pressure on you when you go home where you know you, you just can't have no peace. It's because you still got some old stuff from old past. I know it may be valuable and it may have some value, but there's nothing more valuable than peace. And if your soul is troubled and vexed over some old things, then it's time to remove them. You still got love letters in boxes on top of your closet shelves. reminder, you got to remind yourself daily who you are. It's not a title. It's an accolade. It's an honor to be called daddy. Because daddy means that even though I'm not your biological father, I recognize that you're the one that sustains me, maintains me, provides for me, protects me, cover me. That's daddy. Daddy is a term of endearment. Good morning, church. Amen. Good morning, too. Good morning, church. Amen. For those of you online this morning, thank you for tuning in with us this morning. I pray that you turn your living room into a sanctuary of which God can abide. For those of you online, I pray that your home become uh, a domicile for God's presence as you host Him in your home by way of virtual worship. If you're here for the first, second, or reoccurring time, for my sake, would you lift your hand and read, wave it at me, first, second, reoccurring, amen, 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 and amen, and amen, welcome, look at the colleges, hey y'all, praise God, amen, if you did not receive a blue guest card, connect card upon your entry, uh, lift that hand again, they'll place that card in your hand, fill it out this entirety, and give it back to the hand that gave it to you. Let's go to work this morning because I, I want to give you this this morning. I, I believe the Lord has given me a word for the house this morning. Uh, but before we do, does anybody in here have a testimony? Anybody got a, a testimony? I, I'm not saying that you got to share your testimony. I'm not about to give you a microphone. But anybody have a testimony? Put your hand there. Put your hand Okay. Look, look around at the dead people that don't have their hand. 
If their hand ain't lifted, they dead. They, they, they dead. They dead. Okay. Because just the fact that you're alive is a testimony. Oh, you don't hear me. Just the fact that you have breath in your body is a testimony. You are closer, no more closer to death than when you close your eyes at night and go to sleep. You're the closest you will ever be to death. Every night when you lay down and place your head upon the pillow, you're that close to death. So the fact that he woke you up this morning is a testimony. A keeping God. this again. If you have a testimony, put your hand in there. If you have a testimony, put your hand in there. So I want you to do this right quick. Just, just lay that hand that you have it upon the person next to you. And I want you to make this declaration and decree over their life. God, if you did it for me, do it for them. <laughs> Find another neighbor. And lay that hand on me and say, God, if you did it for me, do it for them. You set me free, set them free. You provide for me, provide for them. That's how you dare your t- God is the same God yesterday, today. ourselves in the book of Hosea, chapter number four, verse number six. Give you a time to find it because it's not too often you'll find yourself in the book of Hosea. And if you have to go to the front of this place called the table of contents, that's quite all right. I can promise you, promise you this, you have 65 chances to get it wrong and one chance to get it right. It's 66 books, so you can do the math. But if you got to go to the table of conscience, that's okay. Find, find Hosea chapter number four, verse number six. And hold your finger there. We're going to go to Second uh, Corinthians chapter number four, verse number three is where we'll begin reading there. 
And I would ask if you would do me a favor. It's an honor tradition, a, a tradition here at Elevate Church that we stand for the reading of God's word. <clears throat> so if you walked in here on your own strength, that's a testimony that God has given you strength. So you ought to be standing on that testimony. Hosea chapter number four, verse number six, second Corinthians chapter number four, verse number three. If you got it, say, I got it. You're still looking, say, I'm looking. <laughs> you said real low. We still heard you, I'm looking. <laughs> Amen. He was ashamed. We still heard you. We know you're still looking. If you're waiting for me to put it on the screen, say, thank you, Jesus. We're going to make our faith declaration as we always do. Can I get connected on the remote if you would? Actually, I think I need a new battery. Praise the Lord. Flow with me. Repeat these words after me. Today I'll be taught the word of God. My spirit is ready. And my mind is sharp. I believe the word. The word is truth. It is without error. I believe what the word says. I can have what it says I can have. I can be what it says I can be. Make it personal. I believe what the word says about me. I am redeemed. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am healed. No sickness nor disease shall come near my home. No sickness nor disease shall come near my home. You know, that's in the word of God. God declares that no sickness nor disease shall come nigh thy dwelling place. That's not just your physical house, but that's your physical house. Because you're a spirit in the body. You're dwelling in a holy tabernacle called your flesh, where it's supposed to be holy. We're going to get you there. So no sickness nor disease should come near my home. I'm more than a conqueror. I am rich. Wealth and riches shall be in my house. Prophesy over your neighbor. Say, wealth and riches shall be in your house. Find another neighbor there jealous. Say, wealth and riches shall be in your house. Declare that over yourself. Say, wealth and riches shall be in this house. The Bible says that there are treasures in earthen vessels. So there's treasure on the inside of you. Tell your neighbor you're wealthy. Yeah. Some of you thought you gained weight in the natural, but that was just the Spirit of God adding more weight to you. Tell your neighbor you're weighty. Amen. Some of y'all done broke y'all died just off of that. Y'all going to eat, 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 eat. Talking about, this ain't weight. I'm just big boned. Um, I'm blessed to be a blessing. My house is blessed. My marriage is blessed. My children are blessed. My church is blessed. Shout, I'm blessed. Shout, amen to that if you would. Hallelujah. 
Oh God, Hosea chapter number four, verse number six. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because thou have rejected knowledge. God offered it, but it was rejected. The Bible also declares that it's only a fool who despises wise counsel. So whenever you give some nuggets to somebody and they refuse to receive it, that is of a foolish mindset. God says you have rejected it. I will also reject thee that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. My God. If you forget or reject this wisdom that I'm giving you, I won't allow you to be a priest of mine. In other words, I won't let you labor on my behalf. Some of you think it priest. Well, I would never want to preach anyway. No, no. To be a priest means that you have a holy governance over everything that God has given you governance over. That you have oversight to be the spiritual head and direction over those things. Your household, your animals, your car. God says, I want you to be a priest to these things. And he says, if you reject this wisdom and this knowledge I have given you, you can no longer labor for me. I'm also going to forget your children because if you're foolish, foolish enough to reject this knowledge, then you'll be foolish enough to teach them to reject it as well. So my shout, it starts at the head. Verse number three, and even if our gospel, I'm sorry, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter number four, verse number three. And it says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. And ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. I want to extrapolate just from verse number four. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So if you're a believer, then that means you have spiritual sight. But the God of this world has blinded the eyes of unbelievers. Catch it before I pray. Don't find yourself unbelieving in certain things. Especially as in correlation to the things of God. Because that is the deception of the devil. He wants you to be blinded. So you can be a believer but still have some unbelief. God. That's what one of the guys came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, I believe, but help my. Look at your neighbor and say, oh, you're a believer. Father, in the name of Jesus, open the eyes of our understanding on this morning. Help us to grow our faith in areas that our faith is weakened and lacking. Father, we believe you for healing, but Father, can we believe you for restoration of a marriage? Father, we, we believe you, God, that cancer would dry up. 
but can we believe you, God, for reconciliation in friendships and relationships? God, we believe you that age will dry up and dwindle away. But can we believe you to heal our hearts, to remove unforgiveness? Help us in our unbelief. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. So as you know, we started this sermon series entitled From Worship to Warfare. And I'm still not connected, but we'll make it be what it be. Stay with me. And I want to talk to you this morning real briefly with the time that we have. Uh, from Worship to Warfare, uh, subtitle, The Unknown God. The Unknown God. I, I, I was reminded of a story. There was uh, this eagle nest that was high on the mountaintop, and there was a great wind that blew um, across this eagle's nest, and there were several eggs inside of the nest. And when the wind blew, it blew violently across the eagle's nest and one of the eggs began to tumble out of the nest and it rolled from the mountaintop from the peak all the way down into the valley low at the bottom of that valley was a chicken farm where this farmer raised chickens and uh, the egg rolled and tumbled all the way down into the chicken coop one of the chickens grabbed the egg and placed it in his nest and that chicken began to uh, roost over that egg and eventually all of the eggs had hatched including the eagle's egg now this chicken raised the eagle as one of its own and even though it did not look like them they treated him as though he was one of them and even though he had grander and greater features than them he was reduced and minimized to operate and facilitate in those features just like them so this eagle as he grew in stature he would find himself hanging out with the chicken pecking the ground searching for food to eat oh i feel your holy ghost right there there's some believers in the house today you're an eagle hanging out with chickens and god did not call you to peck on the ground but he called you to soar he didn't call you to be amongst the chickens, but to be elevated to higher heights. And, and this chicken would peck on the ground. This eagle would peck on the ground with the chickens day in and day out. And, and one day, in the, in the beauty of the day, the skies were clear. There was some eagles soaring above him. And the eagle looked up and he saw those eagles. And there was a yearning on the inside of him to be just like them. Something quickened on the inside. So he, he went to try to join the eagles in the air, but every time he would go to fly and to soar, he would just flop his wings and come back to the ground. I don't know if any of you were raised in the country, but if you ever saw a chicken try to fly, he would take off a little bit, flap, 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 and come right back to the ground. Jump, come back to the ground. And this eagle found himself in that same manner where every time he would go to fly, he would just flap, flap, flap and come right back to the ground. So all the other chickens began to mock him because they were like, you're trying to be something that you're not. Why are you always trying to fly knowing that you can't fly? 
Why are you always trying to do something you know you cannot do? You know, I'll go ahead and say it. I told you before in the past, there are three types of people in your life that you'll find. Three categories of people. Drainers, maintainers, and propellers. A drainer will come to drain you. Take, 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 take. Dr. Toy, they'll call you and say, can you pray for me? But they'll never call you and say, do you need prayer? They will call you and say, can I borrow some money? But they'll never call you and say, hey, do you, you good? You, you need me to lend you a little something? They'll just drain you, just drain you, deplete you, suck you dry. And won't have no care about you. They will only focus on themselves. Matter of fact, the gravity of your relationship with them is solely anchored and based in their own self-motive and their self-gain. That's a drainer. And you think a drainer is bad because that's all they do is come to take from your life. But there's something far worse than a drainer. It's a maintainer. Maintainer comes to hold you at status quo. Won't let you elevate no higher than where you are. But they come in the form and the fashion of a friend. They give you knowledge and wisdom, but it's only for the sake to keep you right where you are. Okay, you ever heard of the crab in the bucket theory? That every time one crab tries to get out the bucket, that's a maintainer. Come right back. Don't, uh-uh. You about to go back to school? No, uh-uh. You about to restore your marriage? Uh-uh. Why you going to do that? He crazy, girl. Don't go back to him. Maintainer. Keep your status quo. So you got a drainer that takes you. You got a maintainer that keeps you at a certain level. But you got to find people in your life who will be a propeller. People who will be like uh, Bette Miller, I think it was. Be the wind beneath your... Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, yeah. You, you see, the thing, the beauty about, beauty about an eagle is, the, the beauty about the eagle is he's a very massive and strong creature. But he, the beauty of him is he, he doesn't rely on his own strength, even though he has strength. He, he, he don't rely on his own abilities and capabilities. For, for an eagle to take high heights, he relies on the wind. He don't have to flap his wings to get high. He just spreads his wings and the wind gets beneath his wings and that's how he elevates. So, so he relies on, watch, catch. If you don't catch this, you'll miss the whole point of this. Is He relies on the wind that man cannot provide, that only God can provide. And, and some of you are waiting on someone to provide for you the thing that only God can provide. And, and so this eagle was being mocked by the other chickens. I'm going to get to the word in a second. It's going to tie all them together. And they began to mock him, telling him about things that he could not do. But yet day in and day out, he would try to fly like the eagles, jump up and flop back down to the ground. And every day he would see those eagles circling around him, and he had this yearning and this burning desire to be as they were. Then one day, Everybody had their backs turned. They were pecking the grounds with their heads down. That eagle, with no audience whatsoever, took off running, spread his wings, flopped one time, and began to soar. 
the wind kicked up and it went higher and higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. He was able to achieve some things he never thought he could do on his own. And God elevated him above all the persecution and the ridicule of all the people who were around him. Watch this. Someone who were even related to him. Family members and friends. Co-workers and associates. Neighbors. Y'all quiet up in here. Maybe you're sitting next to a drain or a maintainer. Just look straight ahead. Don't give them away. Keep your eyes focused like that. Matter of fact, just do this. Don't do this. And then I don't do this. God took him to a place that he never thought he could be. So here it is. Here it is. The unknown God. God, God wants us to know him. Shout some. God wants me to know him. Somebody shout that. God wants me to know him. From the beginning of time, the beginning of creation, God has set into motion an activity for you to get to know him. Everything that God does, it is for the sake of you getting to know him. Everything that happens in your life, it's a setup for you to get to know God better. Y'all quiet. Everything God does and everything that happens and, and everything that occurs in your life, it's an introduction to another side of God. Oh, Jesus. There, that's why there's so many names of God, because God says everything that happens in your life, I'm going to attach a name to it. Because I want you to know me. Uh, Abraham is called to sacrifice his only son. Well, he had another one, but God only deemed the one that he, he ordained as one. Y'all get that on the way home. Some of y'all got some stuff that God didn't ordain. And God only approves the thing he ordained, so that's the only thing God will claim. He says, Abraham, sacrifice your only son. And he takes Isaac up to the mountaintop to sacrifice him because that is the promised child that God had promised him, not Ishmael, but Isaac. And on the way to the mountaintop for him to give up what God, I feel a Holy Ghost, y'all. Will you be willing to give up the promise to please God? I'll say that again. Will you be willing to give up the promise to please God? You know, sometimes God will ask you for the promise just to see if you would trust him. But here's the great thing about God. He'll never remove something from your life without multiplying it back into your life. So he tells Abraham, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice Isaac. Y'all know how the account goes. I say account, not story, because it's not a fable. It's not a fairy tale. It's an actual occurrence. It's an event that took place, and we have to fix our vernacular and the way we phrase things because we say the story of. And if it's a story, then somebody can alter the story. That means it could have been fabricated in somebody's mind. It, you know, I'm from the country. They said, boy, you told a story. That means you lied. Right? So it's not a story. It's an account. That means it has credence. It has value. So in this account, he goes to sacrifice uh, his son, Isaac, on the mountaintop. And as he goes up, watch, before he goes to the top. And you've heard this preach a hundred times, but I don't think you heard it in this manner. Watch. He tells 
the servants who are with him at the bottom of the mountain that the boy and I are going up to worship and we'll be right back. Help me preach it. And wait a minute. I thought you had marching orders to go and sacrifice him. I thought you was going up there to kill him. So what do you mean we will be right back? In other words, God, I trust you enough with the promise that you gave me that I'll give the promise to you knowing that I'll get the promise right back. So, so watch this. Everything you go through is a setup for God to introduce himself. And, and so he's going up the mountaintop and he's got the wood and the knife and all of these things, him and, 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 and the boy and they're walking and the boy says, well, father, I see the wood, I see the knife, but where's the sacrifice? Can I help the parents? Say, help me preaching. The boy knew what worship looked like. Parents, we ought to teach our children what worship looks like. He was able to determine what the worship process would be and how it should be. I got the wood, I got the knife, but I have no sacrifice. And that's the problem with our children today. They don't know what worship is because we hadn't taught them what worship is. And this young man is now, watch, so we see pictures of Abraham and Isaac, and we see Abraham, an old man, and Isaac as a young boy. But really, Isaac is of a young, tender age between 17 and 19. So he's no little baby. So he's old enough to know what worship looks like, but he's also old enough to fight. Yeah, put a pen right there. Remember that. So he goes up to the mountaintop, and as they're going, he says, Father, I see all this stuff, but where's the sacrifice? The father says this. He said, God will provide for himself a sacrifice. Gets to the mountaintop, and he lays out the wood in a certain way for a sacrifice, and, and he takes the boy, not a baby, but the boy, the young man, and he bounds him up, back, binds him up. Now, I told you he's old enough to fight. He's old enough to jump off the altar. But the promise was willing and obedient to the Father, even unto death. I'm going somewhere with this. And as he lays upon the altar, Abraham lifts up the knife to sacrifice him. And God says from heaven, Abraham, stay your hand, for now I know that I can trust you. Abraham looks over. There's a ram in the bush. Oh, somebody will give him praise for the ram in the bush. And watch. God introduces himself to Abraham in that moment. The unknown God becomes known as Jehovah Jireh, the God who. (laughs) So everything you go through in life is a setup for God to introduce himself. Haggai is in the wilderness because she's feeling offended by her master. And as she's wandering around in the wilderness, God tells her, go back to go back home. She goes back home, she gets kicked out again as she's wandering around with no food to eat, her and the child, and and God makes provision for her as she's crying out, and she calls out to God, and watch what she calls him, El 
El Roy, the God who sees me. She's in the wilderness and God introduces himself to her as God who sees me. Everything that God does and everything that happens in your life is an introduction to this unknown God. He introduces himself to you at every waking moment. When there's sickness in your body, God says, I want to be Jehovah Rapha. So the sickness that has come upon you, God says, it's a moment for me to introduce myself. Uh, Where my drummer at? I wish I had a drum roll. God sits in the back in the cut and he's waiting to be introduced. He's behind the curtain waiting for him to be called. And he's sitting there waiting and he's waiting for his curtain call, y'all. And the drum rolls and the announcer says, introducing to all of you, some for the first time, I'd like to introduce you to Jehovah Jireh. Everything that happens in your life is for God to introduce himself to you. Have you heard this statement before? What you don't know won't hurt you. That's a lie from the pits of hell. Because if you don't know, it will hurt you. If you didn't know that there was a sword at the base of that seat before you sat down, and you sat down on that seat and that sword pierced your bottom, what you did not know tell your neighbor that's a lie what you don't know will hurt you that's why God said I want you to have knowledge I want you to know I want I need you to know because what you don't know will hurt you and if you don't know me then you're inviting hurt into your life Everything God does, he does as an introduction so that you would get to know him. Hear this. One of the greatest strategies of the enemy in warfare is deception. He wants to deceive you. He wants to keep you in the unknown. Oh, you don't need to know about that. Don't worry about that. Don't read this book. Read that book. Um, um, stay in John. Don't, 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 don't read, you know, Obadiah. How many of y'all be honest? How many of y'all read Obadiah? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Is it on one of those books you just kind of skip over? Just... How about Zephaniah? Anybody ever read Zephaniah? Mm-hmm. Say, say, don't just stay out there. Watch this. Stay in the Gospels. We're a New Testament church. We don't need that old stuff. Can I tell you something? The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. It's one book that go hand in hand. Matter of fact, the Bible says it is God-breathed, it is God-inspired. So if God wrote it and inspired man to read it and to write it, then it's all one book. It was man that separated the books. Matter of fact, there were no books. It was all one letter. We, we put the books in. It's called pericopes. We separate it and put periods and commas and hyphens and, and colons. That was man doing. But God says it's one letter, one love letter to you all. 
I, I, from the beginning to the end, it's a love letter to you. I, I didn't separate it. I didn't hyphenate it. I, I gave you the whole thing and all of it just for you. How are you going to take one out and not have the other? They go, tell your name, they go hand in hand. It all works together. So, so when somebody tell you, oh, don't, don't worry about the Old Testament. Just do like this. Do like Joseph did, flee. Because how can you know and appreciate the new covenant if you don't know the benefits of the old covenant? Matter of fact, the old covenant details what the benefits of the new covenant is. It is just a fulfillment of that old stuff. So really it's not a new covenant. It's just in this covenant that we have, we don't have to work or sacrifice for it. It's already done. Jesus said, I gave my life for that. You don't have to have no bull, no ox, no sheep, no goat. You don't have to have no turtle dove, no grain, no wheat as a sacrifice. I am the sacrifice. So what you were going to do back then to work for, I paid for. So that's the new covenant. Same benefits and rights, but the greater benefit is we don't have to work for it. He already paid for it. So the devil wants to deceive you so that you don't have knowledge. The Bible says it this way. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the, yeah. So we see in Acts chapter number 17, I'm about to land the plane real quick. So put your seatbelts on, your seats in the upright position, and your lap trays put away. And Paul stood in the midst of Morris Hill and said, ye men of Athens. Paul is there with the Greeks and the Grecians. And as he's touring the city, he says, ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. Superstitious. For I passed by and beheld your devotions. I found an altar with this inscription. Here it is. To the unknown God. Who therefore ye ignorantly worship. Him declare I unto you. Since you don't know him, I'm going to tell you who he is. Since you don't know how to worship, I'm going to show you how to worship. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and the earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worship with man's hands as though he need anything, seeing he give to all life and breath and all things. Somebody shout all things. And have made of one blood. Somebody shout one blood. Come on, look at your bloodline next to you. Just look down the line. You got bloodline. Now go country with him. Say, what's up, cuz? He have made one blood of all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. And have determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. That they should seek the Lord. <laughs> if happily they uh, might feel after him and find him. Though he be not far from every one of us. Somebody shout he's closer than you think. For in him, here it is where I want to land. For in him we live and move and have our being. 
as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Satan does not want you to know that of this unknown God that you are his offspring. <laughs> That'll mess your head up. He don't want you to know that you're God's offspring. So what God did was, in the beginning of time when he created man, he breathed the breath of life into man. He pneuma breathed breath. Watch. He breathed zoe, life, spirit. For God is a spirit, and they that must worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So what God did was he took a piece of him and placed it in you. (laughs) That's why to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He reclaims that which he gave in the first place, which is his spirit. He reclaims what he gave back to himself. His pneuma, his breath, his life, a piece of him. He has placed in you. And if the devil comes to deceive you and to try to trick you into something else, you let him know I'm part of the bloodline that has been grafted in. This unknown God is now known unto me. This unknown God who you don't know, but I know very well because I've experienced him time and time again. When I didn't have, he showed up and provided. When I was going through, he was Jehovah. Watch this. Here's the thing. Oh, God. He showed up at Jehovah Nisi. showed up at Jehovah Shalom and things were chaotic around me for peace so this unknown God that you don't know but I know him to be he's more than you say and watch this more than we can see that's why when when Moses asked him who shall I say sent me so just tell him Just tell him that um, I'm victory, that wouldn't be enough. If I tell him I'm just a, a healer, then they'll hold me just to heal. If I tell them that I'm a provider, then they will only come for provision. Daddy, give me some money. Uh, um, I can't tell him that if if I tell him I'm uh, El Shaddai, uh, Elohim, uh, uh, if, if I tell him that they will see me as an almighty, awesome God, but they, they won't really see me as this loving God. So I can't just tell him that. So uh, just tell him I am. I'm whatever you need. I, I am whatever. I need to be for you in this moment. Whatever it is that you're going through, I am. Uh, uh, So when you show up to the event and and there's things happening, just say, I am is here. 
when there's lack and, and, and there's some, some things in your life that you're struggling with, just say, I am. Uh, I, I, I am. So watch this. You have cursed yourself time and time again. But today we're going to break the curse. What, what, what do you mean, Apostle? I've cursed myself. I am sick. I am broke. I am frustrated. I am tired. I am confused. You have addressed God as such and proclaimed and declared that he is what you have said he is. I am broke. The devil is alive. I am sick. The devil is alive. Because we don't serve a broke, sick God. We serve a God that can bring forth provision. We, we serve a God that can heal. So how can he be a sick God? So you have said over your life, I am. You're saying that, but that's God. So when you declare I am broke, you're saying, God, you're broke. Watch, thus you are broke. When you say I'm sick, you're saying, God, you're sick. So thus you are. Y'all missed that. Tell your neighbor, change your conversation. Because when you know who you are and whose you are, you will talk different. You will walk different. You will act different. Why? Because we serve a God that has called us to be different. My last thing before we close, because we're coming to the hard stop. A blinded eye will cause deaf ears. A blinded eye will cause deaf ears. In other words, if you don't see God to be such, then you won't hear who God is as such. Tell your neighbor, open your eyes. Come on, stand to your feet with me all over this place. This unknown God wants to be known to each of you on this morning. There are those of you who are here today. You don't know Jesus as your Savior or even as the Lord of your life. I want to introduce him to you today. There are some of you who have accepted him a time ago. But, but you still have blinders on your eyes. You don't know who you are in you, you don't know who he truly is. It's one thing to know God, but it's another thing to be known of God. Uh, uh, many of you know great celebrities, but you're not known of those celebrities. You know them, but they don't know you. Oh, I know Michael Jordan. Yeah, I seen him, you know, drop 67. I, I know him. But are you known of him? If you showed up in the room where he was, would you know him? And would he know you? So there's some of you who don't know God in such a manner to be known of him. I want to introduce you to you today. Close your eyes. I'm going to pray after which I'm going to make appeal to you that I can respond. The Bible says, None come as the Spirit of God to us. The Holy Spirit begins to draw now, even as I'm praying, Father, now in the name of Jesus, prick every heart, pierce it, God, that every battle ground I'd be churned in tears so the seed of your word and the seed of your love can be deposited in their hearts for every hardened heart God let your word be as a hammer smash it God so it can be tendered and molded and fashioned into a heart that is pleasing unto you Father for those who are far away let them know God that you're nearer 
and you're closer than they can ever think or imagine. You're so close, God, that they can feel your breath upon the nap of their necks, God. You can feel, oh God, they can, they can feel the heartbeat of you, God, pulsating in their ears. You're that close. So, Father, draw them. Let them turn to you and to not another. For you have said, God, my sheep know my voice. Not to another they shall call. You have said, oh God, I know my sheep. So let them be known with you today, Father, in the name of Jesus. If you're here this morning and you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if that you wave your hand in the air, maybe you have backslidden, but you're getting it right today. Or maybe you accepted Christ, but you hadn't known him to be this great and grand God of which we spoke of today. If that's you today, lift your hand in the air and do it now. Thank you, Father. I see you, sir. I believe there's others that will get real and honest today and say, that's me. I want to get to know him even greater. I want to be freed by him. If that's you today, lift your hand in the air. Thank you, Father. God, we bless you. God, we thank you. God, we give you praise. My last appeal to you today is, if you're here, and you don't have a church home. God is calling you to a place of connectivity. Don't leave here today without connecting. Don't leave here today without connecting. That's you. Would you lift your hand and want to be a part of what God is doing here at Elevate Church? Don't have a church home, but God is calling you. That's you. Lift your hand in the air. Thank you, Father. God, we bless you. God, we thank you. And God, we give you glory. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Clap your hands and give God some praise all over this place. Amen and amen. As we expedite our exit on today, I would ask that you would expeditiously, amen, exit out of the side doors as we make room for our 1115 service. Oh, we connected to this house. We will be a part of that great revival. And your name will be etched in the errors of time of what God has done. And you can look down the line and say, I was a part of that great awakening. I was a part of that revival. And so I'm excited because what God is about to do is release those who are connected to the nations. I'm going to say that again. God is about to release those who are connected to the nations. You're going to say, well, you know, I never had a heart desire to go. But God's going to give you a yearning and a burning and a desire not only to see revival break out in Louisiana, but globally. And so what God is about to do is raise people up to get you stirred up and quickened. So if you don't have your passport, tell your neighbor it's time to get it. Oh, not exactly. It's time to get yourself equipped because you cannot get ready when it's time to be ready. I'll say that again. You cannot get ready when it's time to be ready. You have to already be ready. You have to already equip yourself. Remember the ten virgins, you know, five wise, five foolish? They waited till the last, five of them waited to the last minute to prepare for the bridegroom coming. They waited, they slept and didn't prepare themselves. They didn't get equipped. They didn't do what was necessary and what was needed for when he showed up. Okay, so let's go hood. You ever had that friend that always needed a ride, but when you showed up to pick them up, they were never ready? 
Oh, okay, so we'll just stay on Hood Street then. Uh, you, you know that friend that never gave you gas money but needed a ride, and when you showed up and you were already crunched tight on time and you had some place to be when you got there? Girl, I'm just getting the rollers out of my hair. Give me 15 minutes. And 15 minutes turned into 30 minutes, 30 minutes turned into an hour, and you late sitting there? Well, that's how it is. When Jesus showed up, you cannot be... You have to already be ready. You have to be ready. Tell your neighbor, be ready. Okay, maybe they will catch it better if you did it in your best TD Jake's voice. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Come on, let your neighbor say, get ready, get ready, get ready. Hallelujah. So you have to be ready in this season because God is looking for those in this time, in this season, who is ready in season and out of season. God's going to quicken you in the marketplace. You're going to be in the grocery store and you're going to get a word from the Lord. And you got to be ready to deliver it. You got to be ready to deliver it. He's going to catch you and you're going to be at your house and family members and friends and neighbors. People will be jogging down the street and God will say, go catch up with them and give them this word. You got to be ready. Because he's releasing it in the atmosphere. But he's looking for willing and ready vessels. Somebody shout, that's me. Yeah, you got to be ready. got to be ready. I'll share this quick testimony. Uh, one day I was, uh, I think it's Sicily's Pizza on Segan Lane. And when I was walking through the door, it was lunchtime, I felt an unction in my spirit that there was a spirit of death in the building. It just an impression in my spirit that there was death. And when I opened the door, there was a, a lady and her daughter uh, there at the register and the Holy Spirit said, there's a spirit of suicide. And I said, okay. And then the Holy Spirit pointed this young lady out in front of me. And said, speak life to her. Now, we're in Sicily's Pizza at the cash register. At lunchtime. And the Holy Spirit said, speak life to her. So I said, Okay. So I walk up to a young lady and I tap her on her shoulder and say, ma'am, you may find it strange. Uh, uh, it may sound crazy, but when I came through, the Lord told me there was a spirit of death and suicide hovering over your life. I don't know who the lady was with her. I don't know if it was her mother or auntie or friend or what, but she was an older lady. She just began to weep. The young lady looked back at me and she said, I just got released from Park." if you know what Parkland is, but it's a mental health institution. She said, I just got released from Parkland. I tried to, to commit suicide last night. I just tried to kill myself the night before. If I was not ready to release life into a dead situation, who knows if she would have went back home and tried to commit suicide again. Tell your neighbor, you got to be ready. Because the Holy Spirit is moving and breathing throughout the earth realm and you got to be ready to open up your mouth. The Bible says it this way, if you would open up your mouth, I will fill it. So you may say, well, I don't know what to say. Don't just open up your mouth. God will give you the words to say. Well, I hadn't been saved long. Don't worry about that. God will, he'll use a donkey, so definitely he can use you. So don't worry about your acumen. Don't worry about your, your, your academic status. Well, I don't know. I don't talk that well. Moses stuttered too. 
but God still used it in spite of your deficiencies. So be ready. Tell your neighbor, be ready. All right, let's go, let's go. We get into this word on today. We started the sermon series entitled uh, From Worship to Warfare. Grab your Bibles all over the place for those of you who are joining us for the first time. Thank you for joining us the second time. Thank you. Third time, it's time to join. Amen. They say the third time is, you know, it's the lucky charm number, I guess. Amen. Maybe it's just God drawing you. Amen. You ever had a good restaurant that you enjoy eating at? You know? Yeah? Where they got some good food, you just keep going back? Keep going back? Well, if you've been pulling up to this table time and time again, it's time to go ahead and connect. Amen. Grab your Bibles. Hosea, chapter number 4, verse number 6. Hosea, chapter number 4, verse number 6. Uh, let's see if we're connecting. Here we go. And 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse number 3 is where we begin. All standing, if you would, in the honor of the reading of God's word. All rise in the court of law. Amen. The honorable judge Jesus has entered the chambers. Amen. Hosea chapter number 4, verse number 6. Hosea chapter number 4, verse number 6, as well as uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse number 3. When you have it, say, I have it. I guess none of y'all have it, huh? <laughs> Amen. If you're looking for it, say, I'm looking. God, nobody looking, nobody having. Amen. Y'all almost be waiting for me to put it on the screen, huh? Say, thank you, Jesus. Good Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Next month, it's going to be BYOB. Not bring your own bottle. Bring your own Bible. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to make our faith declaration on this afternoon. Repeat these words after me. Today, I'll be taught the word of God. My spirit is ready. And my mind is sharp. I believe the word. The word is truth. It is without error. I believe what the word says. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. I believe what the word says about me. I am redeemed. I'm the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. I am healed. No sickness nor disease shall come near my home. I'm more than a conqueror. I am rich. Wealth and riches shall be in my house. Find a neighbor around you. Declare that over their life. Say, wealth and riches shall be in your house. Your other neighbor jealous. So talk to them for a second. Say, wealth and riches shall be in your house. Don't forget yourself. Declare it over your own life. Say, wealth and riches shall be in this house. Shout, I'm blessed to be a blessing. My house is blessed. My marriage is blessed. My children are blessed. Now shout, my church is blessed. Shout, I'm blessed. And say amen today if you receive it. The book of Hosea, by now you should have found it because many of you have escaped Hosea for a long period of time. You probably hadn't even found yourself nestled or rustling with Hosea. Uh, or probably books like Zephaniah or Obadiah. Those are in your book too. Amen. You're like, who? Uh, Oba who? 
Zephyr who? It's in your Bible. So if you couldn't finally go to the table of contents, it's not illegal to do so. You can go to the table of contents and go down. Hosea. Boom. So you should have it. Hosea chapter number four, verse number six. And in Hosea chapter number four, verse number six, the word of the Lord declares unto us, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Knowledge is a powerful thing, but don't just gain knowledge just to have knowledge because then it becomes head knowledge and any knowledge that is not purposefully used is in vain. There are a lot of people who got a lot of knowledge or I I forgot it's the hood. We in the hood. I forgot. You know, you got a lot of uh, common sense, but no street sense. I'm just trying to stay hood with y'all because y'all. Don't want to go academic with me. You know those people who, who got a lot of book smarts and just dumb as a box of rocks when it comes to other stuff? That's the, knowledge is powerful, but, but, but it's to be used properly. It is knowledge is not for the sake of puffing you up so you can tell people how much you know. To show how smart you are. Knowledge has purpose. Somebody shout, knowledge has purpose. And, and it says, my people are destroyed for a knack of knowledge, knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge. The, the, the Bible also tells us that it is a fool who rejects wise counsel or knowledge from a wise person. So if you have someone who rejects the knowledge of God, God calls them a fool. He says this, I will also reject thee, and thou shalt be no priest to me. Some of you say, well, I don't want to be a preacher anyway. <laughs> that word priest means to govern and to have authority and to have oversight, whatever God has placed before you. To be a priest over, to govern over, to reign over, to bring godly counsel to, and a godly presence. And he said that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, and I will also forget thy children. That may sound harsh that God says, if you don't do right, I'm going to forget about everything about you, including your kids. But God says, if you reject me, then I also have to reject your children. Why? Because if you're foolish enough to reject knowledge, you're going to be foolish enough to teach your children how to reject knowledge as well. So if you don't do right, guess what? They won't do right. So I got to forget about you and them. I'm not going to waste my time. Oh, God. And I'm going to forget about you. Just jump over to, to 2 Corinthians. Chapter number 4, verse number 3. I got it from here, y'all. 2 Corinthians. Are you there? Chapter number 4, verse number 3. And watch what it says. And even if our gospel was veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. There is scales on your eyes. The God of this world has blinded you. Watch this. Um, What Satan does is he wants to prevent you from seeing and understanding and gaining knowledge because the Bible says that 
Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So if he can blind your mind, then you cannot understand the words that are coming out of my mouth. And if your mind wasn't blind, then you can receive the engrafted word of God and your faith will increase and the devil will be in trouble. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me so far? So he has blinded the unbeliever. Now watch. It is possible for you to have a belief and still be unbelieving. It is possible for you. I'm going to get there, y'all. I know y'all been standing, but I'm going to stand longer than you. So amen. I'm going to torture you for a moment. It is possible for you to be a believer and still have some unbeliefs. Because you can believe God for a healing in this area, but you won't believe him for a healing in that area. You can believe God for deliverance in one phase of your life or freedom in one phase of your life, but you won't have enough faith to believe God for something else. And it says that uh, the unbeliever your mind has been veiled or blinded so that you cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. Let me pray there. Father, we thank you, O God, that the eyes of our understanding have been opened, that the blinded eye is now seeing the glory of Jesus Christ. And God, we give you the praise, the honor, and the glory, which is due to you and you alone. It's in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Tell your neighbor, open your eyes. Open your eyes as you're taking your seat this morning. Open your eyes. There was a little boy one day. He was playing around, and he was playing dress up. And he comes into the living room where his parents was, were, and the little boy had a cape around his neck, a towel like a cape tied around his neck, and he was flying around the living room. And as he was flying around the living room, he was leaping over the couch and the tables and the chairs, and he's flying around, and he's saying, faster than a speeding bullet, stronger than a locomotive. He's just flying around. And the parents asked the little boy, he said, uh, who are you? And the little boy said, I'm Superman. He's flying around. He runs back into the room, and probably about six minutes later, he comes out the room, and he has a mask over his head, and he's jumping around with his hands, making those motions, and going pew, pew, pew. He's jumping around, and he's making these motions. His parents said, well, who are you? says, I'm Spider-Man, neighborhood Spider-Man. Then he comes back out the room, and he has no shirt on and some tattered shorts. And he's around there flexing his muscles. He says, you don't like me when I'm angry. Mother said, well, who are you? He said, I'm the Incredible Hawk. Flexing his muscles. He goes back into the room, and probably about 30 minutes later, the parents are wondering, okay, who is he going to be this time when he comes out the room? Little boy comes out the room dressed in regular clothes, comes and sits down on the couch, grabs his little game controller, and the father said, well, who is that? The mother said, I I don't know. 
So they questioned the little boy, who are you now? The little boy just looked up and said, hmm, I don't know, and continued playing his game. Well, what are you saying in all that, Apostle? Is that you have to learn how to take on the identity of Christ. And Satan has blinded you in this day to the point of which you don't even know who you are. You don't know what level of authority and power that God has placed in you. You don't know who you are. And if you don't know who you are, then you don't know how to function as who you are. And Satan has blinded the minds of the believers, and now we don't even know who we are or whose we are. Nor do we even know how to operate in this earth realm. So watch, if you don't know who you are, then you don't know how to function as you are. You don't know what's available to you. (laughs) You you don't know the power that you have that's available at your fingertips. Why? Because you don't know. Tell your neighbor you don't know who you are. And that is a plot of the enemy is to keep you ignorant, unknowledgeable of who you are. It says that the enemy has blinded us. But not only do we not know who we are, but we don't know this unknown God. And I want to teach you just from just uh, for the next couple minutes about the unknown God. Somebody shout the unknown God. You may have heard this statement before. What you don't know won't hurt you. How many of you heard that before? What you don't know won't hurt you. Tell your neighbor, lean over real quick. Tell your neighbor, that's a lie. (laughs) What you don't know will hurt you. (laughs) I gave this example in the 915 service. If there was a sword up under your seat before you sat down and you did not know it and you sat down on that sword, Tell your neighbor, it will hurt. So what you don't know will hurt you. That's why God says, I want you to know. You need, tell your neighbor, you need knowledge. I'm just trying to wake y'all up for a second because y'all kind of slow thus far. Maybe it's lunchtime and you're hangry. You're mad and hungry. Anybody ever been there before? Don't mess with a hangry person. So, so God wants you to know. He wants you to have knowledge. There are things that God wants you to know. Here, one of the greatest strategies of the enemy in warfare is deception. The Bible tells us, as we read earlier, my people will perish, is destroyed for a lack, a lack of knowledge. If you don't have knowledge, then you don't know which way to go, how to go, and how to do things. And Satan wants you to stay ignorant of the things of God. So we see in the book of Acts chapter number 17, we're going to dance through this and take more of a uh, exegetical look at uh, Paul as he's uh, there in Athens and he's talking to the Greeks there in Athens in Acts chapter number 17, verse number 22. I I was a little amped up at 915, but I want to slow down and really get this message to you on today. In verse number 22, it says, Then Paul stood in the midst of Morris Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things that ye are too super... Uh, super oh, Lord, I can't talk right now. <laughs> uh, what I was hearing in my spirit it was that you're too spiritual. Superstitious, though, 
Because we got some folk in the church that you may not be superstitious, but you're super spiritual. And, and I did want to say it, but the Holy Ghost, <laughs> go ahead and say it. You, you, you're too spiritual. Oh, God. What's wrong with being too spiritual, Apostle? Because you have become so heavenly minded that you know earthly good. You're applying word to everything that has no application. Just trying to find a word to fit your situation. And God says, that won't fit there because I put you in that situation because I'm trying to get something out of you. And I had to place you there because there's some things I need to get out of you. So I had to put you in it to get that out of you. So you're so spiritual that you know earthly good. I heard one preacher say it this way. You're preaching to the preach to and singing to the sung to. Uh, so in other words, you, you got a lot of word for people who are already have word. I, I got to be honest with you. Can I be transparent for a moment? Super spiritual people make my skin crawl. Can we just talk about sports every now and then? Can, can we just chill for a minute? I mean, why we got to go through John and Revelations every time we talk? Yeah, y'all quiet up here. Please and thank you, sir. Can, can we just chill for a second? I know you know Jesus, and you know I know Jesus too. You, you ain't going to get me no more saved than I'm already saved. So why are you giving me your latest current revelation every time I, I don't need that? Uh, hello. <laughs> I'm looking at me crazy up here. Amen. Can we talk about the weather? <laughs> This show is hot. Yeah, and hell is hot as too. Hell hot too. Listen, listen, Linda, listen, listen. And there's a place in the lake of fire for them. Right? So we have become, watch, not like the Athens, the Greeks. We have not become superstitious, but we have become so spiritual that we're no earthly good. There are people that God wants to use you to save, but you got so much Christian needs language on the inside of you. They don't even understand you, nor can they relate to you because you got word and they don't know the word because the God of this world has blinded them to the word. So therefore, I need to first gain relationship before you can First, get revelation. Y'all missed that. So if I know you better and have a better understanding of you, then the Holy Spirit can use that understanding so now I can get revelation to you about who Christ is. Okay, let's break it down in a word. Jesus fed the multitude, and the next day while he's in the mountaintop refreshing himself, he's on a little uh, R&R in the mountaintops with his father. The Bible says when he comes down from the mountaintop, the people who he fed was looking for him. And when they finally caught up with Jesus... They said, where were you? Jesus said, hold up, wait a minute, time out. You didn't come for the word I gave you. <laughs> you came for the bread I gave you, for the fish I gave you. He, he, he says, you didn't come to, to get the word. You came 
for the feeding. You, you came because I fed you. So Jesus understood this, that in order to win somebody, he had to first feed somebody. Relational evangelism is the best way to win somebody to the Lord. (laughs) That's what he did with Peter. He got in the boat with Peter before he won Peter. He he became relational to Peter. Uh, What do you mean relational? He said, uh, Peter, can I use your boat for a second? I just want to hang out with you. And, and while we're hanging out, I'm going to preach a little bit. You just, I just need your boat. After he finished preaching, he says, Peter, now, here's the relational part. Cast out to the deep. I'm about to take you fishing. And, and then while we're out there, cast your net on the right side. Oh, well, well, Jesus, you know, we've been fishing all night. He's just having a conversation with him. He's just talking with him. Oh, I felt the R&B spirit again. Come and talk to me. I really. All right, now, Eric, I heard for you. A little harmony in there, a little two-part harmony. And, and so he's out there fishing. Watch this. He's relating to Peter. Peter, you fish, I fish. So let's talk about fishing. You are a fisher of fish, but I'm about to make you a fisher of men. And when the great hall comes in, Peter falls to his knees and says, God, I'm unworthy. I'm a sinner. I can't believe. Watch this. All because he was able to relate to Peter in his own terms. He was able to lead Peter into salvation. Watch this. Do a simple conversation about some stanky fish. So... We have become so spiritual that we know earthly good, and we're running people off because we're trying to show them how much we know instead of showing them who we know. We're trying to show them that we know the word and how we know the word, and they're like, okay, great, all right, all right. Y'all remember Paul? Y'all remember Paul, who was once Saul, great man of God? Well, there were some disciples that went out to lead people to Christ, and they, and they got jumped, seven sons of Sceva. And they said, Paul, we know. Jesus, we know. But who are you? Uh, and so some of us are running people off because we're trying to say all what we know instead of pointing them to the one we know. We, we're trying to give them more word than more presence. So spiritual and verse 23 says, for I, as I passed and beheld your devotion, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship him, I declare unto you. What's taking place is Paul is there in Athens, a place called Morris Hill. And he's there to proclaim the gospel. And as he's walking around, he's seeing all of these statues and these altars that have been prepared. And they, they, they have these inscriptions that says, uh, unknown God. Now, before you judge them and you bring condemnation upon them and you convict them, you got some altars and some gods that you serve that you consider unknown. <laughs> oh, I don't serve no false gods. Where do you spend your most time at? Where do you spend the most of your resources at? 
Who do you spend the most time with? Because if you spend more time with them and more money on it than you do on the things of God, then that, beloved, has become an idol in your life. If you get, give more credence and more credit to these things than you do the Spirit of God, then that thing becomes your idol. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Well, I can't be at church this Sunday because, uh, you know, we got baseball, we got football. Every Sunday? You need to find another league. Hello? Uh, I can't make it this Sunday because I got work. Every Sunday? You know you have religious rights, right? You can tell your boss, look, I need at least one Sunday off to go worship my God. I ain't say you got to be here every Sunday. <laughs> But don't be away every Sunday. Did you catch that? You go to your boss and say, hey, listen, you know, I, I've been putting in these long hours. Matter of fact, I'm going to work an extra day during the week, an extra shift so I could be off on Sunday. Hello? H- have you even went to your boss and said, hey, uh, I'd like to consider another schedule? Where y'all at up in here? I'm coming down some road. Because if you hadn't done that, you hadn't really considered the things of God. You hadn't really put God first. Because if you did, you'd be like, it should grieve you every time you look at the schedule and you say, I got to work Sunday again? Really? I'm going to miss church again? No! It should grieve you. It should grieve you that if you get a pay cut on your job that you don't have enough to help fund the kingdom of God. It should grieve you. If there's an increase on interest rate on your mortgage, it should grieve you that you don't have enough money to be a blessing to somebody else. Y'all, quiet up in here. It should grieve you. So, to this unknown God whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him I declare unto you, God that made the world and all things therein. Seeing that he is Lord of the heaven and the earth and dwell not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with man's hands as though he need anything. God don't need nothing. Tell your neighbor he don't need nothing. But you know what God wants? He don't have a need. He wants. God don't need you. God wants you. God don't need you to do a thing. He wants you to do. He want to be a partner with you. He want, he want you to be a part of his great plan. He don't need you to be. God could have done it without you, but he has a desire that I don't want to leave my kids out in this. I want to make sure that they have a part in this. I want to make sure that we get to enjoy this thing together. I want to make sure that we do this thing together. Oh, there it is. We're in this thing together. Going to make it last for eternity. I, I want to be, I want them to be a part of this story. I don't want to them to be omitted from this story. I want to make sure that the world knows that they are my children and that that the world would know that they are part of my plan. God wants that. He don't need it. He wants. He wants you to be a part. He wants you to give your life to him so that now you can take what he has done in your life and pass it on to somebody else's life. 
He wants. Can I tell you something? Whatever God wants to do in the earth realm, he wants to do it through you. Whatever God wants to do in the earth realm, he's looking for a vessel that he can use to do it through. Everything that would happen in the earth has to come through an earthen vessel. That's why when Jesus came in, he had to be wrapped in flesh. Because it would have been illegal for him otherwise to be here without a body. It would be illegal for him to be in operation in the earth realm unless he has, a, God would have violated his own law if he would have sent Jesus only as a spirit in the earth realm. That's why, watch this, when the Holy Ghost came, it fell down and fell in flesh. Because even the Holy Spirit would be illegal in the earth realm without a body. <laughs> That's why you got to be filled. Tell your neighbor, get filled. So the Spirit of God has to inhabit us. Because God will violate his own laws. You know why? Because the Bible says the heavens is his, but the earth he has given unto man. <laughs> That's why when, oh God, I'm taking you a whole other direction, but stay with me. That's why when Jacob wrestled all night long, Jacob fighting with a mighty being, the Bible says that he wrestled with him all night long. Now, I've had visions of angels. I have seen angels in open visions, but I never wrestled with an angel. I've heard through the word that there were angels who destroyed cities, demolished them. Jesus said, if I was of this world, then uh, it, I, if, if my, my kingdom is not of this world, for if it was, my angels will come and defend me. That I can call a legion of angels and wipe all of you out. So I never fought with an angel. But I think we can all agree that angels are mighty and powerful. Yeah? Yeah. Jacob is wrestling with an angel. And the angel, as strong as he was, could not prevail against a mortal man. What did you ever think about that? An angel that can wipe out cities, but he's wrestling with a mortal man. I don't know you, sir. Come. Well, we met. Come. He a mighty angel. Look at the muscles. And Jacob wrestling with him and can't take him out. The angel can't. They wrestled all night long. Man, I felt like we were doing the tango for a second there. Let's do it, bro. <laughs> I mean, he's wrestling with him, and the angel couldn't take Jacob out. Why is that? Why Jacob is wrestling with this mighty being of great stature, and the angel could not prevail against a mortal man? You ever thought about that? Thank you, sir. You ever thought about that? Why could he not prevail against this mighty being? You know why? You ever heard this statement before? Or you ever been here before? Uh, it's called, uh, you know, like in sports, home court, home field, advantage. 
you know, teams that have home court advantage is more likely to win because they got a greater fan base that would be there to encourage them. Okay, I forgot we were hood again. Has anyone ever came into your yard and wanted to fight you in your own yard? It, it seems like you had more strength on your own territory. It, it, it seemed like you were a little bit stronger on your own ground. Y'all looking at me strange. Maybe I ain't never fight before. I'm, from where I was, you look, you didn't fight nobody in their own yard. You wanted to find neutral ground because, you know, it's something different when you're fighting people on their own territory, on their own turf. The angel came onto Jacob's turf. And he's saying, Jacob, I want to wrestle with you. I'm going to try to overtake you. But Jacob said, wait a minute now, bro. You, you're fighting on my grounds. You, you, you're fighting on the ground God gave me. And he's wrestling with this mighty being. Why? Because he had jurisdictional authority in the earth realm. That the angel had to submit to the power of the man of the world because God gave him the world and the heavens belonged to him. And the angel was there wrestling with somebody who had jurisdictional authority. That's why what you bind on earth. (laughs) God gave you the authority, jurisdictional authority that you can bind things in the earth realm. Oh, God, this is better than y'all responding. He gave him jurisdictional authority, so he's wrestling with a being that didn't have authority. That's all he could do is just touch his hip. He couldn't take him out. He can just hinder him. You may win this battle, but you're going to know you were in a battle. I know I can't beat you, but you're going to know I was here. And and here's the thing, is that we have this authority. And he says, neither is worship with man's hands as though he need anything. God wants you a part of his plan so that the world would know that you belong to him. Jesus said it this way. They will know you are my disciples by your love one for another. God has a desire for you to be a part of this thing. Good God Almighty. Verse number 26 says, And hath made one blood all nations of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. Shout one blood. In other words, we are family. Really back in. Some of y'all went too far with that. But look down the road and look at your bloodline. Look, look down your road. Oh, that person may not be the same skin color as you, uh, may not be the same uh, dialect or nationality as you, but we're one blood. Come on, let's go country on. Look down and say, what's up, cuz? Look down and say, what's up, cuz? What's up, cuz? We're all one family, one blood. We all dwell in this earth realm together, but we're so separated, segregated, and divided, not knowing that we're one blood. That's what the Bible says in these days, there'll be wars and rumors of wars, and brothers and sisters will be fighting against one another. We've been fighting since we came out the womb. Now we're fighting, watch this, amongst one another, even in the church. The greatest day of segregation is a Sunday. Y'all trying to fight segregation? We, we segregate every Sunday. 
That's why I love Elevate Church. We're a mixed breed. We mutts. Lord Jesus. A little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. We got a little Andrew. We got a little Curtis. Amen. We got a little Kathleen. We got a little Nick. Little Nick. We got a little bit of everybody. Got some doctors, some lawyers, some crackheads, some ex-prostitutes. We got a little bit of everybody. Right? But we're one blood. Somebody shout one blood. One blood. And have determined the times there uh, before appointing and the bounds of their inhabitants. Uh, I'm almost done. And they should seek the Lord if happily, happily uh, they might feel after him and find him. Though he be not far from every one of us. Ooh, that's good right there. To know that he's not far. <laughs> that he's close to all of us. That's why you got to be careful how you treat people. Because Jesus is close to them. He ain't far off. They may be on this side of the line and you're on the other side of the line, but Jesus is in the middle. He's not that far off from any of us. Even those who would seem to be far away from him. He would never leave us nor forsake us. Matter of fact, the psalmist said this way, if I make my bed in hell, Lord, you are there. Oh, Jesus. So that drunken uncle that you have written off, He ain't too far from Jesus, y'all. He ain't too far from Jesus. Matter of fact, he's just as close as you are. Oh, because he's married to the backslider. He's a friend to the drunkard. He's a friend to the sinner. We're all just just that equally close. The question is, is who's going to draw him in. And he, we're all just that close. But this is where I want to get to before we leave this place today. Uh, verse number 28. For in him we live and move and have our very being. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. See this unknown God? Want you to know him? Satan does not want you to know this, that you are his offspring. He doesn't want you to know that you're a piece of God in flesh in an earthen vessel. (laughs) Oh, God, what you trying to say, we little gods? You're a piece of God. What he did was when he formed man, he breathed pneuma, zoe, life. Numa, his breath of life, his spirit into earthen vessel. God took a piece of his spirit and deposited it on the inside of you. That's why to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. God reclaims that which he gave back to himself. The moment you expire, God says, oop, that's mine. Give me that back. The war is not for your spirit. The war is over your soul. Your spirit belongs to God because it's a piece of God that he reclaims back to himself. He says, that's my breath. Give it back to me. Satan is after your soul. But hear this, beloved, so is God. That's why we got to pray and fast. And that's why we preach this gospel. Why? It's because it's a soul war going on. 
Your mind, your will, and your emotion. That's why you're always tormented in your mind. That's why your emotions are like a roller coaster going up and down mountain highs and valley lows. Satan comes to vex your soul. And God says, I'm coming to bring peace in your soul. And that's the war that's going on. God says, I want more souls than you. Satan don't want you to know. Keeps you blinded to the fact that you are God's offspring. You're a piece of God in earthen vessels. That's why it's important for you to be at peace with God and make peace with God because you are a piece of God. Okay, let me say that again. That's why it's important that you make peace with God. Father, forgive me for I have sinned. So now you could be at peace with God. No longer am I an enemy of yours, but I'm a friend of yours. Because now I know that I have a... Okay, let me give you the word. Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20. No longer I that live, but a peace of God that lives within me. So I make peace with God so I can be at peace with God. I no longer war with God. I'm no longer an enemy of God, an enemy of God. I no longer fight and wrestle with God. We at peace with one another. The lion and the lamb can now lay together as one in perfect harmony. Oh, there it is again. Ebony and ivory. Work together. Perfect harmony. I'm no longer at war with you no more, God. We're at peace. I don't strive and fight against you anymore. You're my navigator, my anchor, my captain of my soul. When you say go, I go. When you say do, I do. I'm not going to wrestle against you anymore. I know what makes my flesh feels good, but I, I don't want that anymore because you got something better for me. I, I'm at peace with you. God. I'm not going to wrestle with you over these things no more because Father knows best. So I'm not going to strive and fight with you anymore. No, God, I I know I can, but just because I can don't mean I should. I'm not going to fight with you anymore, God. I know I can say, but I better not say, God, because I'm I'm at peace with you. And I don't want to cause no more friction between you and I. So these things that makes me feel good, I'll lay them to the side because I know you can make me feel better. Because we're at peace with one another. And watch the bigger part to that is. I made peace with you. You forgive me of all my sins. I'm at peace with you. We're not fighting you. But I have a peace with you. Huh. We don't want to hear this. But wherever you go, that peace goes with you. Wherever you go, that peace goes with you. Uh, Brother Lodge, wherever you go, that peace goes with you. I got a peace of God. Everywhere I go, I got my peace. 
so, so what are you saying, Apostle? I go to strip club. Let me frisk you down. What's that? Oh, I forgot. I got my peace with me. He goes wherever you go. You got a peace of God with you. Uh, if you go and try to, uh, what, what they call them now, uh, not side pieces anymore. What, what they call them? The, your sneak, sneaky, sneaky link. I'm coming up with this term. I, they, they, they put me up on game on this new terminology with this. This thing called a, a, a one more time. <laughs> what, what is it? You know that too well, sir. <laughs> you know we live around the world. Your girl gonna she watch it. Sne- sneaky link. It, it says you can go out there and sneak and link up. That's all you need. 20, 30 minutes. That's it. Sneaky link. It's a link up just just a sneaky boom. And then you are. Where were you? I went to the gas station. It ain't take you that long. Yeah, you know, the, you know, gas prices high and the pump was long. And, and, but you was with your sneaky link. Watch. Your peace went with you. You cannot detach your peace so that your flesh can be at peace or pleased or peace. You can't separate. God, I'm going to put you down so I can take it off. I'm going to leave you at home so I can go and do what I want to do. You bring your peace with you wherever you go. He's a part of you, grafted in you. Oh, ain't nobody going to know he knows. Oh, ain't nobody going to see he sees. Ain't nobody going to hear he hears. Everywhere you go, your peace goes with you. Oh, I can lay down with her. I can flirt with him. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. The trouble I see. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Some of you today. The devil has hooked you to life, thinking you can live a double life, do what you want to do, put him down, and pick him up. But this unknown God has been trying to make himself known to you since the creation of time. This unknown God has been setting you up in every situation so that you can know him. Everything you've gone through in life was just an opportunity for God to introduce himself to show you that he is all that you ever would need when there's lack in your life God says I want to be introduced to you as Jehovah Jehovah God see remember I told you God sees it all Haggai met him while she was in the wilderness while she was out there God appeared to her in the wilderness. 
she left that place, she met this God. Watch this. Same God, but she met this God that she named El El Roy, the God who sees. El El Roy, the God who sees. Everything you go through in life, God says, I want to introduce myself. I tell her, beautiful, because she got her name changed to beautiful. She was in a wheelchair and God introduced himself to her as Jehovah Rapha. Lifted her about a wheelchair and the wheelchair she was rolling in, she pushed out herself. Why? Because that situation was set up for God to introduce himself to her as El Elroy. As Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. So they were on their way to divorce court. About to get divorced. Said, I'm done with this marriage. But it was just a setup for them. Because now they get introduced to God, Jehovah Nisi, the banner of victory. Where they find victory in their marriage now. Where he testified, I looked at her in that moment. I re-fell in love with her all over. Everything you go through in life is an opportunity for God to show up and say, who do you need me to be today? God, God. So, that's all you got? I got you. That's what you're going through, no problem. Uh, Moses, uh, oh God, who shall we say is sending me? He says, I am. I am that I am. I am whatever you need in the moment that you need me. I am that I am. Whatever moment you need, I am that. Let me introduce myself to you in that situation. I am that. Sickness, I am a healer. Lack, I am a provider. Confusion and chaos, I am peace. Jehovah, shalom. I am Jehovah to this I am whatever you need me to be. I am Elohim, El Shaddai. I am the almighty God. And I'm not limited to one thing. I'm all things. And watch. If I'm all things, I'm all things to all people. And I'm all things to you in all ways that you need me to be. So watch this. All that God is and all who God is. It's part of his offspring. God loves you that much. Would you bow your heads with me? I have so much more. But I'll leave it there. Because I believe somebody today. You've been an orphan for too long. You've been an orphan too long. You don't know your biological family, nor do you know your biological rights, your inheritance, you don't know what's available to you because you have been off, separated, and divided from your spiritual family, your DNA. You've been separated and divided. The enemy has come and given you another name 
other than the name that God has placed upon you. And you've been functioning and operating out of that. And he's keeping you blinded and ignorant to who you really are and what God has for you. But today, thank you, Holy Ghost. But today, the adoption papers are about to be signed. You're about to be grafted into the family of faith and all that Satan intended and planned to do in your life and through your life it is now turned around and God's will will prevail in your life I'm going to pray after which there's about to be an adoption take place he's about to call you by name and call you back into his family and to grab you back family of faith. Father, now in the name of Jesus, I declare everyone at the sound of my voice in this sanctuary and online today, I declare today is adoption day. This is the day the Father will write your name in the Lamb's book of life. He will graft you into the family. He's going to change your name. Oh, we're not going to deal with this modern day contemporary thing. We're not going to even deal with the hyphen so we can keep our old name just to take your name. No, God, we take on your name and your name fully. Call me. Call me beautiful. Call me small. Call me what you want to call me, God. I'll be whoever you need me to be. So, Father, today we take on your name and the name. That's the name of Jesus upon our lives. Your mark and the seal upon our heads. So, Father, for those today, you're here today in the part of your sins you've done some things wrong and you know they're wrong you've justified them far too long you know they're wrong but yet you still do it God says I see it and I've known it but yet I still love you and I forgive you but I need you to make a decision today that's you today in the part of your sins maybe you accepted Christ when you're backslid today he's calling you home today that's you would you do me a favor lift your hand in the air thank you sir are there any others today? Any others today? Any others today? Any others today? That would say today I'm, I'm turning a new leaf. I'm accepting the new name that he has for me. Any others? Any others? If you're online today, you can leave a comment in the box. Would you lift your hand and ask, see you, sir, come. Can I get more intercessors? tablets of your heart. What God wants to use to use you 
I see you as a scribe. God is going to begin to give you visions and dreams. I see books because of the knowledge that's in your head. You're much smarter than they give you credit for. You're much smarter than they give you credit for. You know more than you say. now in the name of Jesus. We declare freedom over the enemy. And Father, now we loose your anointing and your spirit into his life. Let it flow as a river through his belly. Fill this broken vessel. Let it be healed of every scar, every pain, and every hurt, from every rejection and abandonment, for every persecution and ridicule, and every word curse that have been spoken over his life. Today, God, we declare that he is in the name, free in the name of Jesus.
it's over. And we declare peace over your life now. Yes, peace. Peace. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is. Come on.
You don't have a church home. It's where freedom resides. It's a house of freedom. It's a house that hosts the presence of God. It's a house that's spirit-led. That's you today. You're here for a second. I don't, it don't matter. God drew you here for a reason. He would say, today is the day. I'm connecting today. Don't leave this place without connecting. Because here's the thing, beloved. 2020 was probably one of the most tumultuous times in the history of mankind. The pandemic that hit the world. I did more funerals in 2020 than I did in 20 years of ministry. In one year. And watch. Only one that was a member of this church. Every funeral I did in 2020 was someone who was not even a member of our church. I had to speak over empty vessels who I knew not. Question to you, beloved. Who's going to declare over your landing when the light comes out? Will they have to call someone in to speak over you that don't even know you? Will your family have to borrow a church? just to lay you to rest see that's the benefit of being a part of the body is that you have a family that's going to care for you and provide for you you have a family a, a pastor that's going to watch over your soul and pray for you and to be there for you when the fight ends so we lay you to rest I don't need to be a part of the church I can I am the church to bury yourself do your own eulogy if you're the church the church is a body that we are collectively together so you without me you're not and me without you we are not we are the body of Christ we make up the body together not alone So we all collectively the body. So if you don't have a church home, God spoke to your heart. I want you to lift your hand today if that's you. Be a part of what God is doing here. Lift your hand in there. Do that now. That's you today. To be a part of what God is doing here. That's you. Thank you, sir. That's you today. Lift your hand in the air. That's you today. Now watch. If you've been looking around trying to find that place, then I want to make a Holy Ghost suggestion to you. Just a helpful moment. Pull your feet up under this table until God sends you somewhere else. We'll put you under what we'll call watch camp. We'll watch over your soul until God sends you there, wherever there is. But you need to be rooted and grounded. I don't know about you, but I can't eat from everybody's house and their table. That called indigestion. You know how it is when you, get, when you try to do uh, Thanksgiving, you go from house to house eat, then you got the runs the next day. That's because you ate from too many tables. It's the same thing. Look at Nick, look. Nick, you eat by house, you get the runs. That's how it is in the spirit. You bounce it from house to house to house. This church one Sunday, another church the next Sunday. Some of y'all doing two services on a Sunday. And you eat, you're intaking all of these spiritual nutrition that sometimes that don't flow well together. 
pull your feet up on the table and say, God, I'll just sit here until you give me direction on where I need to go so that you can be connected and covered during that time. Because while you're out there in the wilderness wandering around, you have no connection to cover. You're disconnected from your body. Satan is looking to isolate you and get you alone all by yourself. One put a thousand. Two put. So you can handle a thousand. Tell your neighbor, I got a thousand. But the problem ain't the thousand. The problem is a thousand and one. And he'll throw that one thing at you that'll knock you off. That's why you need your brothers. If, that, if that's you right now, if that's you, watch care. I know we're way over time, but the Spirit of God is moving in this place. If that's you today, if that's you, lift your hand in the air. We'll, we'll watch over your soul while that time. Amen. And amen. Bless the Lord. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We thank God for our one. Amen. Come on, love on him if you would. Yeah. Huh? Oh, praise the Lord. Okay. Amen. Amen. We thank you for freedom. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And also the family over here, the Comos. Amen. Amen. Made a decision to be a part of what God is doing. And for those of you online, you can simply leave us a comment in the box below if that's you on Facebook or YouTube, that you want to be a part of what God is doing. Or you can simply text the word JOIN to 225-361-2016. Amen. We do have our next step class taking place next Sunday, so if you have just decided to be a part of what God is doing here at Elevate Church, or maybe you have in the past, but you have not completed our next step class, it is available at 9.15 next Sunday. We need everybody who have made that decision to go to our next step class so you hear about the heartbeat, vision, and the mission of this church and the history of the place where God is doing us. Amen. All standing to your feet. Amen. If it is your first, second, or third time, I'd love to shake your hand in the foyer. Uh, Pastor, can you close us out with prayer? I bet you get back to Idris. Amen. Get a microphone. Amen. Dr. Idris, you, you wish he would run like that for you, huh? Just like, uh, Brother Brian. Brother Brian. Say, Brother Brian. Amen. That's my big brother there. Amen. Hallelujah. I'll be in the foyer to shake your hand, meet you, and greet you as she close out in prayer. Amen. Father, we thank you for being with us today and for showing up in this atmosphere, God. We ask that you call every person that has been here, that has experienced the shift, God. Lord God, cover us and plead your blood over them in their goings and in their comings, God. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for this day. And we praise you, Lord God, for what you're going to do thus far in Jesus' name.